All right, all right, all right. Hello, beautiful Facebook land and Clubhouse land and podcast land. How are you today? My name is Nima, and I really have something important to say. What's up? (laughs) That was unexpected. I didn't mean to um, put you through that, to be honest. I uh, I apologize for any trauma that I caused with my voice, my singing voice. But uh, it's been a while since I've done a Facebook Live and a Clubhouse chat. It's been quite a bit. And uh, if you're meeting me for the very first time, hello. Welcome to my universe. Uh, I hope we meet again. I hope my um, content doesn't offend you too much. It might, I've been accused of being quite offensive many, many times. And it's caused me to kind of go inside and go, okay, so what do I want to say that can help hopefully land better? And I've got to say, I've gotten a lot better. I've become a lot more refined in my approach. However, I just can't avoid pissing people off when we're talking about trauma and narcissistic abusive relationships and toxic relationships and volatility and domestic violence and infidelity. And you can't help but offend people when you're speaking your truth. Truth is very triggering. Uh, And in this conversation of trauma bonds and Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Those types of relationships where you know that it's not healthy, that there's this push-pull dynamic happening that's very unhealthy. Um, And you you swear to God, you're not going to go back. You can't take this anymore. I'm done. But like the songs, there's so many songs out there. Every single Eminem song you've ever heard of where he talks about a, a woman especially this one latest one that he did with uh, Ed Sheeran. I want you to check that out. Make a note of it. It's called uh, River Run, River Run. And if you listen to the words, you're like, damn, that's a trauma bond. Um, And you listen to other songs like uh, Adam Levine song or Maroon 5, One More Night. You know, I cross my heart and I hope to die that I only only uh, play with you one more night or something like that. And he's basically having this war inside his head. He's like, damn, I just can't. Okay, just one more night, just one more. I, I, it's like a drug, you know? So let me know if you've ever been in that situation before. And why do I, why am I talking to you about this? Well, my training specifically is as a chiropractor. And for 20 years in my practice, I would notice patients coming in. Well, to be honest, I noticed it after 10 years, but I wasn't really equipped to do anything about it. I would just notice that patients coming in uh, with chronic pain, chronic headaches, chronic jaw pain, chronic pain anywhere in their body, uh, a diffuse pain of un... uh, you know, it, it, it's not, it doesn't follow a specific pattern. It's more diffuse and it's in both sides of the body. A chronic fatigue, um, digestive issues, thyroid, hormonal issues, persistent. Usually, 
I would notice this after 10 years, ask any body worker. There is some sort of an emotional component tied to it. So I would notice that, but I didn't, I wasn't equipped with doing anything. And it wasn't until like my 12th or 13th year in practice when I was like, fuck this, I have to create little workshops for my patients who want to learn what's going on because there's something internally happening that's contributing to this. And I'd like to work with people who really want to take responsibility. I don't, I didn't, it wasn't like inspiring to me to work with patients that just were like, hey, doc, fix it. I was really noticing getting jazzed up working with people who are like, okay, okay, teach me. Like, I want to learn how to do this myself. There's different types of patients. Those that are coming to be rescued, which then, you know, you feel like a hero when you can help them. And then when you can't help them, then you're the villain. So there was some challenge with that. And as my career advanced, I really liked working with that other type of client, the one that was saying, hey, all right, so doc, I, I get that I'm part of the I'm part of the common denominator. What can I do? And the longer that I went and I studied and I just observed hum, human beings and I would work on my own, you know, challenges going up because I was always into personal growth and personal development and I'd come through a challenge in my life and I would apply some tools to it. So everything I was learning, I was kind of passing along to my patients anyway. But there came a time where I decided I was going to help people a little bit deeper, like a checkup from the neck up type of thing, instead of just your chiropractic standard chiropractic visit. It's like, okay, but I had to find a different way of doing it. Cause in the session, in the client session, there was never enough time that we had. So I started creating these workshops called life skills for a stressful world. And I would have them on Saturday mornings and then I would have patients coming in and getting further training on what they can do. And I noticed something interesting. The people who came to those workshops and became students of wellness, students not looking for a rescuer, but seeing me as their partner in health, not someone on a pedestal, a hero to save them, but a partner, a guide that I could then you know, they would get better faster and they were so much more fun to work with. And it just, it just fed my, it was kind of like soul work for me. It fed my soul to do that. So if just to make a very long story short, 10 years down, 10 years after that revelation, I'd created a methodology called the overview method, which actually systematically took people through a process that dismantled the root cause of their stress. But at the time that I was teaching it, I wasn't aware that I was living with unresolved trauma in my body. See, I thought I had done the work because I'd done all the landmarks and the, you know, I did the um, uh, Tony Robbins stuff and I was like a facilitator for John Martini. I still think he's one of the most genius human beings on the planet. There was just one missing piece from all of that education that I received, which was uh, nervous system regulation, the polyvagal theory, attachment theory, shadow work, inner child, all that stuff I hadn't yet done. I mean, anytime you go to a therapist or a counselor or anybody who's, they're human beings, they don't deserve to be put on pedestals, but we do. We are like, oh, this person's going to save us. And I used to love that. Students would put me on pedestals and stuff. And all the ones that had put me on a pedestal, kind of like look at your life. Anyone who's put you on a pedestal and thought you were like, ah, 
they hate your guts right now. <laughs> so I look at all the people in my life that hate me. They all had me on a pedestal at some point, which I take full responsibility for because at the time I was teaching in a way that I was like, I was positioning myself as the answer. So I take full responsibility for that. But that was my own unresolved stuff, my unresolved um, wounding. And so it wasn't until my last, I went through one divorce and then several relationships later following the same pattern of this codependent trauma bond without even knowing it until my last partnership, which ended up so bad. It was such an, like an explosive type of situation where we were both highly abusive to one another. There was a lot of emotional abuse. There was back and forth. There was like breaking shit. She had a quite a temper as well as I did. And I didn't have the tools to regulate myself in the moment of activation. After everything was done, we had all the greatest tools to kind of re, you know, change our perceptions. And so we would use that as a bit of a justification of, you know, getting back together and taking full responsibility and ownership. And then sure enough, during these moments of activation, we went through the whole cycle of abuse where there was the love bombing, the devaluing, and then the discard. And goes the same way as like the tensions building, the incident, you know, there was some sort of an incident. There was either an affair. <laughs> we would just kind of like back and forth, kind of like, like attack one another with these childish teenage type of uh, situations. But it was all a part of the trauma bond. And I didn't even know what a trauma bond was. So it wasn't until I got to a place where things got so volatile that I actually became violent. I actually slapped her with an open hand. I said some really horrible things. And in that moment, it was like the universe kind of stopped and it was like this wake up call. Holy shit, this is unhealthy. Now we have to do something, right? And I was like, I don't care what it takes. <clears throat> I don't care whatever distance I have to pra uh, travel. I don't care what price I have to pay. I got to figure out a, how did I get here? And B, how do I make sure this never happens again? And C, if I can do one and two, A and B, then I really, I feel it's like a duty and an obligation to tell other people how to do this, to teach other people if I can make it out alive, because it feels like I can't get out of this. And so I started this whole journey of healing through counseling and anger management. We both did all this work together. We were both really committed to getting to the root of it so that we can then, we kind of positioned it in a way where it was like, look, we both can teach other people how to do it. But there was something very inauthentic about that. There was a part of me that was wanting to kind of heal because I didn't want her, because I knew that she had some very deep abandonment wounds. Um, and which is part of that kind of like personality type of uh, uh, profile and which I didn't know about at the time. I hadn't studied uh, cluster B personality disorders and narcissism and borderline. I really didn't understand that. Uh, I just heard the term codependency, but I didn't really know what it entailed. And so when I looked, I was like, holy shit, you know, I had to unpack all of this. And it was some very sobering and sad news. And I remember trying to bargain myself through it. And my parents were like, look, you got to get out of this. Please just move away from her. They were begging me. They were like, please, we will get you to move to the island. I was in downtown Vancouver. 
We'll get you to move to the island. We'll help you purchase a chiropractic practice. Just go back into chiropractic. Just put this whole dream of helping people in another way away. You know, you're not some uh, Tony Robbins wannabe. That's my dad was kind of. (laughs) And so I was like, no, this isn't about that. I really want to share this. But I didn't feel, you know, I was, um, you know, entitled to say anything if I was so deep in this situation. And I thought if I want, if I wanted to share with people how to break free from this kind of dynamic, then I got to do it from a scar, not an open wound. So I took some time and I stopped helping people and, Uh, I went inside and I did, I kind of understood breath work and the nervous system regulation and the polyvagal theory and my shadows. And I realized that trauma is very insidious. Trauma comes from uh, not based on what happens to us, but when, when something that was extremely shocking to the system wasn't held in a safe container by understanding and validating an empathetic witness like a parent that could be a good parent, we don't have that. We then learn to shut down those emotions and they get stuck in our body. And we get stuck there. They get stuck there and they get constantly activated. And we unconsciously seek out relationship dynamics that actually bring them up. That's why they're so addictive. That's why they're like, oh my God, there's something so familiar about them. I feel like I've known them all my life. Familiar. Familiar means like family. It means that we're pulled towards repeating these dynamics that were incomplete in childhood as a means of finding that unconditionally loving mother that we didn't have that could fully see us and create safety that she really couldn't why because she was in her own codependent dynamic with with dad or whatever she was going through whatever they were going through this bond that they were having which was unhealthy which came from trauma from their past which came from trauma from their past can you see the cyclical kind of intergenerational nature of it So I kind of laugh when people DM me, go, oh my God, I'm in this abusive relationship. Help, can this marriage be salvaged? And I'm just like, dude, (laughs) dude, you cannot. And, And the problem is everybody who DMs me, they're usually in the codependent type of variety, which is, they're just obsessed with them. Are they going to get help for their addiction? Can, they, can you help a porn addiction? Can, can, they, can they choose? Please, please choose me over alcohol. Please, please choose me over porn. And this is the codependence, childhood dynamics playing out all over again, asking me if I can help them, their partner with their addiction, not realizing they themselves are addicted to, to, to becoming, to fixing people with addictions. <laughs> it's, a, it's a clusterfuck. It is, what I'm trying to say is, is that we're so unconscious that breaking free from this is literally impossible to do alone. I wasn't able to do it alone. I mean, I tried and I even had help. I was like going to counseling and all that. And I remember, um, bargaining with my dad and I was like you know we're gonna break up we're it's bad for me I'm gonna do it but the thought of being without her the thought of like being with her for the rest of my life scared the shit out of me because you know she just wasn't somebody that 
you know, that I would ever see myself with long term. And I was very open about that from the get go. But we both kind of had this shared fantasy. My fantasy was getting out there from my chiropractic practice and teaching and doing what I love and helping and teaching in, in, in workshops all over the world and traveling fame and fortune fantasy and you know the the narcissist and the borderline roles i'm not going to use this as a diagnosis they're more of the roles in a trauma bond we all have kind of like traits of each of them i believe and they're all they're just responses to trauma the role of the fantasy in in a trauma bond of the 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 role of the narcissist which i was playing as well. Of course, I had definitely was carrying some narcissistic traits at the time. I don't think you can do this line of work without a little touch of it in a healthy way. But for me, it was kind of teetering on the not so healthy side. And in her case, heavy duty borderline traits, which were her shared fantasy, her fantasy was power couple. So it was like, if I can help him get to where he wants to go, then I can have what I want. So she, as part of her profile, was able to totally blend and adjust and merge and fuse with my shared fantasy, which is why trauma bonds are so fucking addictive. Because logically, you're, the person can treat you like shit. They could be like super, like somebody I would never, like my, my sister-in-law, basically said we don't want her over at our place i mean there was so much bad vibes and energy she had a, a you know she had a side hustle of being a madam you know i totally totally a red flag that you totally just oh well as long as i don't why because i was so caught up in the shared fantasy why do we ignore the red flags why do, why can't i quit you why was i so blind if you've ever caught yourself asking yourself those questions the answer is very simple the answer is very simple and the answer is there's a shared fantasy there's a shared fantasy that fits like a glove that we have this heavy duty addiction to that causes us to lose touch with reality of what's really happening. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're highly educated, you're a doctor, you're a freaking neuroscientist, doesn't matter. These forces are unconscious and they're much more powerful than your conscious ability and willpower. And so it it wasn't until the police were involved that woke me up and I realized that in order to break that trauma bond, to break that addiction to the fantasy that you had, there are five pillars that we need to put our focus on. And if we don't do this then and learn these skills, then we're constantly going through the abuse cycle again and again and again, again and again and again. And we're like living in fantasy land and not in reality. And there's a reason why fantasy is a childhood uh, ego protective mechanism for pain in childhood. You know, think of all the times where you were kind of like leaving reality and daydreaming into fantasy land of somebody coming and rescuing you and having someone safe to, to connect with and to rescue you from all of your insecurities created from childhood. That's fantasy. And the only way that we can do it is by us becoming the answer. So uh, those of you who are on um, um, 
what's it called? Clubhouse. You can check on my Facebook group. Um, it's called Trigger Proof. I have a little graphic that I show. If you want to jump on there and check it out, you're more than welcome. If you're there, um, if you ha you're not part of the group, make sure you uh, jump into that group. And um, if you haven't already, go on my Instagram after you follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nima. Uh, go ahead and do this attachment style quiz and check and see what your attachment style is. If you really want to start the foundation of creating a secure relationship. So there's a lot more to this than I can share in a uh, podcast or YouTube video or Facebook Live or however medium that you're watching this. But um, I would love to kind of, this is what I love teaching people to do. Because once I figured out these five pillars that I'm about to share, I was able to become my own medicine. I was able to break free from that trauma bond and do what I thought was impossible. Go from this constant codependent cycle of the narcissist borderline, narcissist codependent kind of like dance that you can have. And by the way, you can switch from one to the other. You could switch from the role of the narcissist in one relationship and in another relationship, you could totally be the codependent. It's totally possible. It all depends on the dynamic because you have various different self states. You have many different parts to you. You're not just a solitary individual, but this, this was, these were the pillars that uh, I had to go through is the path to being a cycle breaker. So I have a pillar thing here. I'll draw it out. Hopefully this works. Okay. You can see the um, my little diagram, but here it is. So this part here, yeah, that works. Two and three. So the first part of it here. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Is nervous system regulation, pillar one. So the first part is nervous system regulation. It's, I've, those of you on Clubhouse, I've drawn like this little Venn diagram. Anyway, you could watch the, the replay in, in Facebook Live. So the first pillar is called nervous system regulation. We have to, unfortunately, we can't outsource our nervous system understanding, our operating system, becoming active operators of our nervous system. We can't outsource that anymore to other people. That's one of the problems with trauma bonds. The reason why they're so addictive is because we need them 
as a regulatory function of our nervous system. So there's no power when we don't know how to operate it and we give the power. It's like we're giving the machinery, the steering wheel of our own internal state to someone else because we don't know how to regulate our nervous system. So it takes you getting an education. The way that you break free from a trauma bond is by educating, by, by really, it's like taking a university course, by investing in your training of martial arts for your soul. That's really what it's going to take. It's a spiritual journey and it's no joke. <laughs> I just look back. I was just looking in the mirror earlier today, acknowledging myself, giving myself a high five for all the fucking work that I did to get to a place where I have a secure relationship. Um, we have a beautiful two-year-old. He's now two almost in a couple weeks at the recording of this. And we have conflict and we resolve it and we don't get abusive to one another and we're really respectful. And um, yeah, I'm really proud that I've become the kind of person that could be attracted to and to attract. Well, this, I never had a, I know, you know, um, as, as, as cocky as this sounds, I never had a problem, you know, having people, you know, having people, uh, getting a mutual attraction. It was that I didn't trust myself to, to stay attracted to one person. But once I mastered these five pillars, that became available to me. So this is that first one is nervous system regulation. Like literally it's like, um, it's like being chased by a tiger and trying to, have have a relationship with somebody. You can't. So that's the first part. The second part is, oh, where is it? What did I do there? Nervous system regulation. Regulation. The second part is clearing past resentments. I know that's a little bit messy, but just deal with it. You can see it. Pillar number two is that we're holding on to a lot of hurt. Um, 95%, no, 90, 100% of the people who DM me saying they want help, they are holding on to a victim story of resentment. You know, they feel wronged. We feel wronged. We feel hurt. And, and, and this isn't to invalidate your hurt at all. This is... 100% to validate it. The problem is when you go to different kind of narc abuse forums or you get counseling and therapy from what our students feedback that they give us when they apply, they're like, my therapist just validates my victim story. If your therapist or counselor is consistently putting you back with, you know, yeah, but you're abused. Yeah, but they're horrible people and validating and just listening to your venting they're not really helping you. Every week you come in and you just say the same thing for five years, you're still on it about how your mother is horrible, uh, then they're not using the skills necessary to actually help you. And clearing these resentments, changing the perceptions, um, that's critical. Because if we don't, it's like walking with rocks in your backpack. We got to learn how to take those rocks away. So part of the untangling from this trauma bond is a persistent list of people that you're holding on to resentment. There's one in our cycle breakers portal that I can think of who's really highly addicted to this one situation. She's got a fuck ton of resentment towards mom, 
right? And so the more resentment we hold on towards uh, our past uh, people in our lives, our caregivers, the more fantasy comes into our daily expectation of life, you know, because, you know, this just like my mom, I want the opposite of my mom. We're looking for a fantasy. And when you can really learn how to open open your heart to understanding mom, instead of, you know, making excuse, this is not about making excuses for anyone's behavior, but this is about understanding people as human beings rather than playing the victim. When we do that, all of a sudden we lighten the load. We feel more grace. We feel more gratitude. We become more magnetic. You become sexier. You don't have to work hard to receive love because it just starts coming to you. And that's what happens when you do pillar number two. Number three, pillar number three, I call dancing with your dark passenger. Dancing with your dark passenger. What do I mean by that? It means... There's a lot, this healing trauma, healing from a trauma bond is all about making these unconscious processes conscious because you don't even realize it. That's why we need outside guidance because if you think, oh, I'll just work on myself. Oh, I'm going to work on myself. You know, like, how are you going to be able to spot your shadow? How are you going to, your ego is trying to protect you from, your ego is this kind of mask that you put on uh, that tries to protect you from the shame of your inner child, of your of your shadow part, of the, the parts of you that you don't really like. So we have this kind of mask that we put on and this identity, this, you know, this identity that we take on. And this, this identity that we take on is a very powerful thing and it's very protective. So the worst thing that your ego uh, is trying to protect you from, the biggest threat is the shame of feeling like a bad person. And so you'll go to great lengths to avoid feeling bad or being bad. And one of those things that are a threat to relationships is our inability to receive feedback. Because if you give me feedback that's, that's, a, that's a threat to my ego, I'm going to kind of get in the way of it. And so this is what I call your dark passenger. And it's a tricky one. This is one of the hardest skills to master. When you start off your ego is, our ego is so dense that we don't even know who we are because we've been manipulating this whole time. Often within the first three to four weeks of our um, Cycle Breakers programs, our um, students are all kind of like depressed. I'm like, what's the problem? And they, they all say the same thing. I realize I've been faking my whole way through life. I've been putting on a mask. I've been pretending to be somebody. And... No wonder your fucking relationships don't work because it's a mask of who you are. And after maybe six months or whatever, life comes out, that mask comes off and you're like, oh, you're not what I thought you were. You weren't what I, you weren't that, you look at the other person and you're like, you don't match this snapshot fantasy that I had of you. You turned out to be a real fucking human being after all. And then we go from the pedestalization and then boom, they go right into the pit. Why? Because it's a because we ourselves have a disintegrated shadow. We're fragmented. And dancing with our dark passenger, shadow work, ego observation work, which is really hard and it's excruciatingly painful and damn near impossible to do and pretty much impossible to do on your own, 
it's very painful to bring that back and it, re it requires facing our shame and the biggest threat to our narcissistic parts of us, which we all have. Don't sit here and tell me you don't have them, please. That's highly grandiose of you to say. <laughs> highly narcissistic of you to say. A, nar a true narcissist would say, oh, I don't have any narcissistic parts, I'm perfect. <laughs> That's how you know. They're like, no, I'm not. I don't have any. Oh. Okay, red flag. <laughs> so it basically is they it's a it's a practice of being able to integrate shame and um and love those parts that's a lot harder than it sounds but that is exactly what happens and when you learn how to do that you start to have real relationships with others and you can spot bullshit you can spot when somebody's love bombing. You can spot when somebody has a disintegrated in, in shadow because once you've integrated yours and you've danced with your dark passenger, once you see somebody who hasn't, who doesn't, you're like, mm, they're full of shit. You see right through it. You're no longer able to be victimized by a love bomber because you're like, because, uh, you know, I get love bombed constantly you know, from people who are following my work and they, you know, you, they want something from you, right? Th those who are true, those who are truly um, legit people in your lives are, are not trying to get something from you without offering. There's a fair exchange offered. That's one of my pr principles when once you, once, one of your principles once you heal to get to a point of healing is you don't give something for nothing. You, you, are exp you demand a fair exchange. You're able to say no. Oh my gosh, God forbid, because that makes you feel like a bad person. If, you're, if you say no, you're expected to just overgive and you say no to someone and that triggers their abandonment or rejection wounds. Oh no, I can't handle that guilt and shame because I'm not integrated in my shadow. But now that I am, I'll say no which we say quite a bit with people who are w trying to work with us, <clears throat> they usually want to just vent and dump emotionally. And we say, no, we're not willing to do that. You have to follow an application protocol. And we're only going to talk to those who are actually serious about doing something. <gasps> Whoa. See what, see what happens when you say no to somebody and their reaction will let you know right away whether they're welcome in your life or not. It's very simple. It's very simple. But the problem is I had to become the kind of person that was willing to be seen as a fucking selfish asshole for saying no. Takes a little bit of work to get there. And that's where dancing with the dark passenger comes in. Does that make sense? When you get that right, you're able to speak your authentic truth. And when people don't like it, you're like, look, I get it. And I'm just going to speak my fucking truth anyway. Booyah, mic drop. And that's a really great way to live. Just a sense of kind of trust. That's what I want for you. This is what I want for everybody uh, in the community. The next part is uh, empathic communication. That's the next pillar. How great is my handwriting? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's, that's not for you. It's for me. <laughs> it's my narcissistic part playing. Um, yeah, at least you could see it. Um, this was what I came up with in my head <laughs> to, 
to, to resolve this. I noticed because of that inner critic of mine, the way that I was communicating with myself was very harsh, was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Was harsh and was very uh, invalidating, which is exact replica of patterns of childhood, right? And so shifting that communication towards myself and towards others to be more empathic uh, was was really, really a key pillar. And there's a difference. Some people are like, but I am an empath. And I'm like, no, 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 you got to understand. There's a difference between conscious empathy and unconscious empathy. Unconscious empathy is when you're hypervigilantly taking care of other people's emotions and needs as a me without taking care of your own as a means of kind of being good or fulfilling a role or rescuing or uh, taking responsibility for people, which is a trauma response. That's unconscious empathy. Conscious empathy is being able to offer that empathy after you've given that to yourself. So doing it from a full cup usually involves a fair exchange. So I won't just sit, people message me like, can you get on a call? And I'll be like, no, because they just want to get on a call and emotionally dump and I'm like, I'm just not available for that. And I just because I put out content that you resonate with doesn't entitle you to that. So no, the answer is no. Now there, are, I had to create boundaries around my time and energy so that I was only speaking to those that are willing to, you know, take responsibility, right? And so this is part of my healing, and this my work with people healing, helping people heal trauma is actually also part of me healing me, being able to have the courage to say no rather than burning out. My friend, Dr. Russell, uh, he's noticing himself completely burning out now that his Instagram following is blown up and he gets DMs. And so he wants to answer 250 of them. And then he's like burnt out like three days afterwards, like completely like burnt out and he burnt out as a, as a medical doctor. And so this is all his own trauma response, right? And part of our healing is being able to say no, even though that might offend somebody else, you know, you're willing to uh, help people, but not at the expense of yourself. And that takes a fuck ton of work to do. <laughs> and I'm still, I still get challenged by it. You know, I still, when somebody asks for my time, um, I still, I'm like, Ooh, I want to give it to them. Right. And so I'd rather just I, I have a ton of free um, uh, Facebook lives and everything. Here you go. That's cool. And if you're ready, you know, I'm willing to hear it. But, if, you know, if you're ready to do the work, we have we have an application process. I want to see that you're actually serious about taking ownership for it. Or you can actually um, invitation if you want, ask a question, but do it publicly so that I can answer it for everybody so that I can actually create content out of it that would serve many people. That would be fair exchange for me. You know, if you ask it in the Facebook group and say, hey, uh, would you mind? I I'm going through so-and-so, you know, would you mind helping? I'd be like, absolutely. The last time I did my Facebook Live, actually, uh, the YouTube video here, it was in response to a question and, and it was so beautiful and so um, uh, classy the way she asked and 
that I was like, I'm going to create a, a content around it. So if I can use your question to help more people, absolutely, I'm happy to do it. So uh, I'm here to create content that transforms people. And our programs and our containers are all like filled with people who are 100% all in to actually doing the work, showing up on the mat and doing all of these things, learning how to do it together, which brings me to my fifth and final pillar, which is commitment and community. I am now convinced from the feedback that I'm getting from people who are like leaving really unhealthy marriages and doing it with an open heart, by the way, there's a ton of guilt involved because you don't wanna be the bad guy. You know, the biggest threat, oh my God, I don't want to be the bad guy. Remember your dark passenger, your shadow part really hates being the bad guy. So if you, if you are perceived and you get the guilt trip by somebody, which happened to me, every time I left, it was, how could you do this to me after everything I've done for you? How could you do this for me? And I was like, fuck. Or I was pulled back in because of sex. I could not for the life of me, overcome my need for that level of sexuality. And so it was, it was very difficult. And there is no way that I would have done it, A, if I wasn't committed. Like if, and that's why, you know, hiring a guide, going into a community and getting a coach that's like, look, I'm a smart person. I help people, but I'm I feel powerless against this and I need somebody, I need to, I need to emotionally engage with the outcome of leaving. <laughs> Let me say that again. I need to emotionally engage with it. And it's kind of like, it's like hiring a personal trainer. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm paying for it. I'm really gonna do the work, right? And so that's what it was like for me. So investing, in a high quality container of high level individuals uh, who are into the same conversation. You know, I joined a men's group um, with high level entrepreneurs who are all dealing with the same thing. Because I had community, I was able to lean in and have my part of the story validated. Because if you don't, what happens is many narcissistic abusive relationships it's kind of like an entrainment that happens. There's like a hypnosis that happens with language and re repeating certain things. You start to become hypnotized and then you lose connection with your own individuality. You haven't individuated. You're, especially if you have a history of being raised in kind of like narcissistic, abusive, authoritarian type of family systems, you, there's a part of you that really likes this overly domineering, controlling figure that's telling you what to do because it's so familiar. And then when you take some steps out to walk away and become your own sovereign individual self, if you've met most people, unfortunately, the women that reach out aren't empowered. They don't have, you know, education. They haven't uh, a, a financial, they, they haven't, um, say they don't have savings, they don't have a job, they've just completely disempowered themselves. Uh, and they're now kind of like the victim to this really tyrant type of person. Those types of people, those types of people in that situation first got to like completely individuate. And that's, that's difficult. 
you know, and so those people um, have it a lot rougher and they're not resource. This is really about resources, people, a group of friends, community, money, having your own savings, having your own job. The more that you empower all areas of life, the less likelihood you have of being stuck dependent on someone. Codependent means two people dependent on one another because they've disempowered the majority of their lives. So the, 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 the antidote to a trauma bond is empowering all areas of life. The problem is, is that many people are too scared to empower themselves because even though that trauma bond is painful, it's all you fucking know. And to go outside of the cave, it feels devastating. So you're going to have to deal with the grief, feeling like you're losing a mother, the grief of feeling like you're losing a child feeling like you're lo losing yourself, uh, your whole identity. You're like, who the fuck am I? So people die because of trauma bonds, suicides. Uh, I, I would suggest that the, the majority of the reason why people su have suicide, especially borderline, uh, people with borderline tendencies, um, suicide, 11% of those with diagnosed with borderline personality disorder um, commit suicide. And I guarantee you it's because of this sense of a loss of self that happens when you leave this, this really unhealthy dynamic, right? So unfortunately, the majority of people who reach out for help with our community aren't the right fit because to, to actually participate in all of those things, you got to have some empowerment. There's got to be some degree of empowerment gained uh, to participate, to do, because, you know, there's somebody who just asked the question, you know, should we live in a shelter? You know, I, I'm afraid to move in. Somebody just DM'd or, or, or did a post in there and said, you know, I, I, we have four kids and I don't want to move them into a shelter. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like when we get to a place where we've disempowered ourselves so much where we're stuck there because of financial reasons, then your number one job is to get an education and get a job. That's the number one thing to do and to learn how to survive on your own. Um, resources, right? And so that's the most important thing. But if you're in a place that you are resourced, you know, that the people who come to work with us usually are like CEOs, they have careers, they are doing well in their career. They just can't seem to shake it. Um, you know, they're independent. They could fend for themselves. They make their own money. They're doing great on their own. It's just, I can't quit this person. Those are the ideal people that, you know, are ready to break the cycle because you gotta be in a place where even though it's scary, you're able to invest in your own training like it's a university degree. You know what I mean? It's like, you gotta take this on as though, okay, this is like a university degree. And you can see all sorts of stuff on YouTube, but there really isn't like a, 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 a path to follow. And so that was the path that I had to come up with. And now I get to play in a community of people who are really stuck in this cycle going, why can't I quit you? 
and they're just committed to the process of learning how to regulate their nervous system, how to tick off all of those resentments and how to dance with this ego, this dark passenger. The first four to six weeks of doing it is very confusing because when you're immersed in a trauma bond, we can't trust ourselves. We can't really trust our own thoughts. And so it's important to follow a specific guideline, you know, the the modules that we have in our program. Number one, you got to learn how to change your relationship to your emotions, you know, understanding how the nervous system functions, like body awareness, somatic techniques to literally teach you how to feel safe in your own body again. Most people, when they begin, they're just so anxious that they're there it's like their soul has left their body there's depersonalization derealization so there's a a component of building your resources first that's our first part of this in nervous system regulation it's all about building your resources and changing your relationship to these emotional flashbacks that keep coming up in all of these relational dynamics in a trauma bond because it's not them that's the problem they are triggering flashbacks from childhood and we don't know what to do with them. So learning exactly what to do with them is the priority. Once you do, all of a sudden you can show up in this relationship as an adult rather than as a child. And like I was speaking to Sandy today, she finished our program and she's like, I, I and in a very calm state, you know, I was resist. I realized I didn't want to leave because I didn't want to be the bad guy. And she played this role of constantly rescuing. She was the oldest of several children. So her emotional needs weren't met. She's the rescuer. She became a nurse. You know, all of these people with nursing, helping degrees, uh, they, they help other psychologists, even in our programs, doctors. We see those are the people who, you know, you've, you've gotten to a place where you have some empowerment. Those have the best opportunity of breaking trauma bonds. If you haven't gotten to a place in your life where you feel some level of empowerment and you're totally dependent on this one person, um, then your work is to, your work is to become a sovereign individual or just say, look, I can't do this without him, her or him, mostly him. I can't, so I might as well just just live how I'm living, right? And so either way, it sucks if you do and sucks if you don't. So I'm of the opinion of choose your pain. Choose the pain of growth. Choose the pain of expansion. Choose the pain of dancing into the unknown and find a guide find a community to take you through all of those pillars in a very coordinated way and be open to receiving feedback and not just being supported constantly. This is another one of the challenges that we have in, the, in our applicants. We can see it. People don't want to be challenged. They just want unconditional support. And support is important, you know, but many people go into support groups and they're there for like 20 years. They're just venting their story and me too, me too, me too, poor me, poor me. And having your story validated, no one's really standing up and going, yeah, but what about you? <laughs> Pointing the finger, how about you? How about you being the fucking common denominator in all of these? Not to blame, not to victim blame, please. All the triggered folks 
start to DM me. Are you a gaslighter, victim blamer? No, not saying that at all. I'm saying, yes, let's acknowledge our pain, but what outcome do you want? The outcome is I want a healthy, secure relationship. Okay, great. If that's what you want, got to go through these five pillars. You got to take responsibility, not blame. You got to receive guidance. Invest in yourself like you are your own child, right? And that is those people have been able to break free from these addictive cycles that they didn't have conscious control over because it was all an unconscious trauma bond. So I want to give an opportunity for anybody who's been listening, who wants to jump on and ask a question, please go ahead and hop on. Just put your hand up and I'd love to hear from you. Um, if not, hopefully you can, you can send me a DM asking any questions. Hopefully I can help. Let me know if that landed or resonated. If you want to put your hand up and jump up and ask a question, I'll give you maybe another 15 seconds to see. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this and are like, all right, I got to get going. I got to get started. I, I really, I'm, I am 100% committed to breaking the cycle uh, of intergenerational trauma. And I want to get to a place where I can actually feel safe in my own body and trust myself. And I'm willing to do the work. I don't think that it's going to be an overnight quick fix, but I'm committed to the process. I want to learn because I don't want to spend another year stuck in this same cycle. It would be too painful. And I'm ready to make myself the priority and stop pointing the finger and looking at that other person. Um, send me a DM uh, or just, yeah, send me a DM and ask me for a link. Say, I would love an invitation uh, for uh, a link to apply. I want to work. I want to see uh, about getting to work on this and seeing if this is even possible for somebody like me. And uh, what, what I would do in those situations is I would we would read your application. Hey, Teresa, thank you. Highly recommend this program. Check it out. You have nothing to lose but your excuses and trauma bonds. Yes, Teresa started this. You know, do you mind me sharing a little bit? Just nothing, nothing crazy, but do you mind me sharing? Um, Teresa, highly intelligent. Go for it, she says. Highly intelligent, a nurse, and stuck in this trauma bond where she helps people and she's a mom and, a, and an, an amazing mom, but... This one area in her life called relationships just not really working out. And these guys seem to all be narcissistic assholes and treat her like shit and all this stuff. And why, why, why can't I just quit this person? Why am I still stuck there? And she jumped in and started to do the, the actual work and tried different things, but noticed a, a difference. And it was because clearly the difference was because you know, we took her through the, those five pillars and she did her own work. And lo and behold, she was like, hey, I said goodbye to this guy and it felt great. And it's something I didn't feel like I could ever do. And she ended this trauma bond. And I last I heard from you, you had met somebody really great. I don't know where you are now. You want to give me an update over that? You want to jump on? Why don't you jump on and share? Do you feel okay jumping on and sharing, Teresa? I'm going to invite you up to speak because we're talking about trauma bonds. How do you feel about, uh, yay, come on up. Hey, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. 
Tell me what, Perfect. tell me what I was missing in your story. You should tell the story, not me. Oh, you know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Um, multiple patterns and relationships that once I went through um, your program, Nima, I discovered really were based off of my relationship with my mother. Yeah. It's yeah. weird how that and happens, so, isn't it? It is. It's kind of so, spooky. You know, using your program, using your methods, having you as a guide just really helped me to dig deep and to really release those bonds that were keeping me in this insane pattern of basically self-destruction. So, yeah. Wow. Somebody so yeah. intelligent too, right? Oh, it's yeah, it's not like exactly. you don't, you have a degree in nursing, you help people, you're a leader in the workplace, but then you know, just That's the frustrating part I think right? about this is, you know, right. you're you're like, how come I can excel it in all these other areas, but I can't find somebody to love me or, or whatever you, <laughs> you think about yourself. Totally. And so yeah. I was curious, last time we chatted a couple months yes. ago, um, you were giving me an update. Do you, I'm just curious, how, how are you doing with that? How are you doing in, the, uh, in that arena? It is actually the lowest drama... I have ever experienced in a relationship in my life, and it's phenomenal. We so you guys are still, still, still chit chatting, still, still dealing, <laughs> still dealing, still communicating, still, you know, processing our different triggers and, and building this relationship that's healthy and secure. It's not based on a like push pull dynamic of trauma no. and and retaliation and manipulation and insecurity. Absolutely not. It's, wow. That's it's so wonderful. What a it's gift. So, yeah, it is a gift. And it's a gift that we can give to ourselves. So, And you know what the best part is for me is that you have kids. This is why yeah. I do what I do is because now what happens when you now get to model and um, they get to observe mom mm -hmm. in, in a secure bond, it totally impacts them in the container as well, doesn't it? Do you want to yeah, talk about that? It absolutely does. Um just a little background. My children range in age from 26 to five. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and there's five of them. So they're, they're, they're Not all. spread out. But it's interesting. But just to see them and their different, you know, where they were in their life when, you know, mom was a train wreck versus <laughs> <laughs> where they are, you know, a year and a half into this basically a reconstruction of my life, my patterns, m the way that I even deal with, with them wow. and their little moments when they're feeling triggered or feel like, you know, they have, whenever they have their little child issues, because there's a lot of issues in this house. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> with, well, five with kids. With age ranges. Obviously. You know, right now I have, I have three children living with me. I have a junior in college, a junior in high school and a kindergartner. So, wow. you know, everybody has their, their, their issues, yeah, but of course. to see how, to see how they're, um, better managing their own emotions. A rising you know, tide lifts while, all boats. Yes. And every once in a while, I just kind of catch them resolving their own, maybe their own interpersonal conflicts or their Ma own issues with me. And it's insane. Because Sounds like mommy's leading by example. 
Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool to see it. Well, that's exactly why I do. I mean, this is a great uh, segue for us to to end today's call. But um, this is really, Teresa, what you're sharing is exactly why I do what I do. And I wish I could literally help. The rescuer in me wants to help everyone. <laughs> but you can see how there's power behind your voice because I wasn't the one that rescued you, was I? You were my guide in helping me rescue myself. Bingo. And that is the opposite of a codependent relationship yeah. with a therapist. And it's really about a fair exchange. And it's about um, consistently pointing it back to you rather than and teaching you, gi giving you the education for yourself. And that's why I love doing what I do. Well, you're very good at it. So thank you, Teresa. I'm glad, I'm glad you quit your day job. <laughs> I did. I quit my day job. My my, my dad. My dad still check whenever he sees. Are you still doing that that, that teaching thing. stuff? And I'm like, yeah, it's going really well. And he's just waiting for me to. He don't get it, but he's like, whatever. <laughs> but thank you so much, Teresa. You're welcome. Thank you. Big love to you, my dear. Well, there you have it. Why can't I quit you? How to break trauma bonds, the five pillars I had to come up with for myself. And then now remember the three questions. How did I get there? How do I make sure that I don't get there ever, ever again and now create a secure relationship, number one and two? And number three, if I can do A and B, one and two, then how do I help, he help others heal themselves with those five pillars? And Teresa was totally unexpected. I didn't even... I didn't even I didn't even plan this uh, this uh, Facebook Live Clubhouse until earlier today. And Teresa, I guess you just saw it and you jumped on. And I'm so grateful that you shared. I totally receive that feedback with an open heart. And it makes me feel that all of my efforts in you know, taking the risk and leaving the familiar chiropractic game to go and teach people what I really wanted to teach as I went through my own process of healing from my trauma bond and integrating it all together and coming up with a program and offering for the world that they can actually receive, they can invest in, show up and be guided and then get results. It all just kind of came together. So thank you so much for that. And uh, anyone else have any, so much love right back to you, my dear. And anyone else have any questions or comments, please go ahead and share below and I'll be happy to maybe do another Facebook Live or send me a DM and I'll give you the link for our application so that you can then over the next few months really commit to the process of those five pillars and be guided into it and get some support and guidance and tools and strategy to actually implement it because it's a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> See you at the next perfect time.